be damned if the same politicians who refused to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the, in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Hello, everybody. It's me, Ms. Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, Caitlin, and it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks into the mirror and says, She's a woman! And for the people who love them. Every week, we talk to incredible... Every week, we talk to... Every week we talk to incredible women of all kinds from all walks of life and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do to get. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. Hello, Caitlin. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Are you are you okay? <laughs> oh no, my brain is coming apart. I have lots of energy, but my brain is dead. Yeah, well, 2021 looks yeah. like it's going to be that type of year, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, the capital uh, is on fire. Yeah. We don't know what's going on, and the only thing that I can pray is that nobody else will get hurt and that we have a peaceful transition going forward because we've already been through so much. Yeah. Uh, but we have to have a vision for how we want the year to go in order for it to go well. And that's why I want to ask you a question. What are some of your favorite New Year's resolutions that you have for this year? My favorite? Yeah. Or like your most important. <laughs> I want to get healthier. Mm-hmm. I would say lose weight, but I feel like... Healthier is how you right? want Right? To... Yeah, yeah. I want to uh, get healthier. I want to go to the gym five days a week. And you um, have been pretty damn good about that so I far. have so far yeah for me I am like determined to you would never expect me to say this but I'm determined to have a like hopeful outlook wow isn't that crazy because I'm just like that's refreshing because I feel like we're together so much and we our attitudes rub off on each other so now I'm like well now I want to have a hopeful attitude too yeah <laughs> it's just like you feel so exhausted from thinking oh the worst is yet to come in 2020 I think that's what you think every day is like oh the worst is yet to come I just don't want to think that way anymore even though recent events have made me think <laughs> that we are still well on the path to having the worst happen. Yeah, but you want to start, like, climbing out of the mud slowly. Yes. That's Even ex- if you get some more mud thrown on you, you that's, know? That's right, yeah. You're still going to keep trying to climb out of it. Oh, my God, I feel like I'm that, like, captive girl in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Just, like, trapped in a little basement oh, cave. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought of one more. Yes. I want to read... 50 books. 50? Which is like a book a week, so it's a little ambitious, but... But it's totally possible for you, because you read books very quickly. I read a lot and quickly, yeah, so... I'm reading two books right now, and I think I'm going to finish them by the end of the month. I want to do two books a month. That's what I did in 2020. Oh my god, I did 25 books in total, which is about two books a month. Yeah. 
So, guys, those are our resolutions. Uh, if you have any resolutions of your own that you want to share with us, get in touch with us on She's a Woman podcast on Instagram. And maybe we'll read some of your New Year's resolutions because we, I I am a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you. I'm you a, are? I'm a huge fan of them. Do you like just the idea of it's a fresh start? Yes. And it's a new year. You're not like... Oh, it's the middle of June, but I can start whenever. You're like, you need that fresh marker. No, I need to start from day one. When it says like the little one, one on on my watch, I'm like, oh, we are at the beginning of time now. Nothing I've done matters. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Anyway, I want to dive right into our serious groundbreaking interview. But first, I have a little treat for you, Caitlin. Every week, as you know, we do a little segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. The idea is that they'll bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And this week, our news is about a woman with serious game. This may not be news to everyone, but it was news to me when I heard it over the holidays. Monopoly, one of the most popular games in the world, was invented by a woman, not just any woman, a feminist with a dream of ending capitalist greed. I think a lot of people think that if the game was invented by somebody, it was probably a man, and he probably looks like the little rich Andrew Carnegie-looking dude on the box. Or they've heard the popular fable in the 1930s at the height of the Great Depression, a down-on-his-luck family man named Charles Darrow invented a game he called Monopoly, and when he sold it to Parker Brothers, he became fantastically rich, the whole American dream story. But that is not true. The Monopoly that we know, which has been licensed in more than 103 countries and printed in more than 37 languages, was actually derived from the Landlord's Game in the United States in 1903 by an incredible woman named Lizzie Maggie, an artist, writer, feminist, and inventor. Did you know that? I had no idea. Isn't that crazy? I guess I never thought deeply about how Monopoly was invented. Yeah. But I... I think you're right. I always assumed it was by some little man that wore a suit, worked at a bank, like that little guy looks like on oh, the board. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and also, not to gender things, but it's always some dude that wants you to play Monopoly. It's always right. your dad yeah. or yeah. like your big brother or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I associated it with like, dudes wanting to play money games with you and and have no mercy financially. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, I don't think it's very fun. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends who you're playing with and how seriously they take it. But I feel like it ends up very, like, petty and it goes on forever. Okay, that may not be an accident. Um, According to Smithsonian Magazine, Maggie was quite the lady. By day, she worked as a stenographer and a typist, but also appeared in plays and wrote poetry and short stories. And then in 1904, Maggie received a patent for an invention she called the Landlord's Game, a square board with nine rectangular spaces on each side. Players circled the board, buying up railroads, collecting money, and paying rent. 
but the goal of the game was to show how greed is not fun. You know how you hate all the players when you're done with a game of Monopoly? That was her point. Well, successful, successful because yeah. I don't really have a great time when I play it. Oh, no, I don't have a great time at all. But that's what she wanted people to see. She wanted to see that, like, capitalism in its, like, meanest form is horrible for everybody involved. And one person benefits, but, like the rest of everyone else suffers, which is exactly what happens in the game. And brings out the worst in people. And it brings out the worst in people. Yeah. So that's what she wanted people to understand from it, and I feel like that's what it was. But after Maggie sold the idea to Parker Brothers for $500, it got twisted. Yes, Monopoly became a hit, selling 278,000 copies in its first year, and more than 1,750,000 the next, which is like a lot for like 1930s numbers or whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the game lost its connection to Maggie and her critique of American greed, and instead came to mean pretty much the opposite of what she'd hoped. It has taught a generation to cheer when someone goes into bankruptcy. So I just thought that was a really interesting story and it's like old news but it's still like I think gonna be a news to a lot of our listeners yeah poor Lizzie poor Lizzie <laughs> yeah Who's well, it's supposed to be good news though yeah poor Lizzie but, but like the good the, news is that uh, uh, there is a woman behind had, everything there's I a feel. woman behind everything <laughs> yeah. yeah and not behind a man who did everything but yeah. a woman behind great things yeah. and I think that I, that's kind of one of the things I want to do with this podcast is go and find some of those stories where important ladies did amazing things and maybe didn't get the recognition that they deserve for it yeah yeah so anyway Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Okay, so before we get into our amazing interview, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, and review it. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of them at the end of the podcast from now on. So please, please, please subscribe. Let us know that you're joining us so that you can hear interviews like this one, Caitlin. We have a really amazing guest today. We do have an amazing guest today, and we've known her for many a year now. Mm-hmm. Everyone, today I am talking to Sydney Washington, an American comedian, actress, and model. She has appeared on Comedy Central's Up Next Showcase. She hosts a comedy podcast called Unofficial Expert with Marie Faustin. Her work has been recommended by the New York Times, Time Out, New York Post, and W, as well as this podcast, most importantly. And as I'm sure she'll tell you herself, she is finally a full-time lesbian after years of part-time work. So, Sydney, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hello. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Thank you for that intro. I mean, that's pretty much everything that I would have said about myself. So that was perfect. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I want to know, it's the beginning of the new year. 
What has the year been like for you so far, AKA, do you have any visions for the year or New Year's resolutions? Because that's what Caitlin and I were talking about earlier today. Let, let me tell you, my um, it's it's beautiful that my I'm also in a relationship. That's I have to say that up top because I mean, who am I without mentioning if I'm single or not? Uh, I am not. I'm off the I'm off the streets. Uh, but my girlfriend had. He's off the streets. I'm off the streets. My my girlfriend got me a planner, a passion planner, and I think the problem with as we saw last year, we had all these plans. We did all these, we, we had all these lists and things that we were supposed to accomplish and do. And when the universe is like, everything is at a halt, you have to uh, sit down. Um, I think you have to kind of listen to that. So I, I've not only sat down, I've laid on my back for... <laughs> <laughs> I have not sat. I have slept. Okay. I've slept <laughs> while laying down. And I think that I'm just going to take things one day at a time, just like I would um, with sobriety. It's like, obviously I want to accomplish some things, you know, like I want to sell a show and uh, I want to finally be finished paying off all of my taxes and, you know, I want to I want to get an, a new tooth, you know, because I'm missing one. These are all things that I that I wanted last year, but was not able to right. accomplish. Oh my God. So I have so, to just I have to keep it 100. I don't know. Are you writing all this stuff in your passion notebook? Like new tooth, new show, new me. Or are you just like letting the passion notebook sit empty because you're just going to do the one day at a time thing completely. Well, the thing about the passion, the passion planner, it's a little different than a regular planner because it gives you a couple of things that you need to work on. Um, like mm -hmm. they, they have you answer a few questions that have nothing to do with, Oh, what am I doing today or whatever? And so I still, I'm still working on the passion planner, but I also think that, I should make two lists, things that I would love to do and things that I know are actually going to get done. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think okay. two lists, two lists is realistic because right. we all have things that we want, but what about the things that we need? Because what we right. need and want are not two different things. So I want a whole new grill. Okay. Do I need it? <laughs> do I need a whole yeah. new set of teeth? <laughs> Your face is your moneymaker, Sydney Washington. It's like, so, you know, maybe you do. Maybe we can oh, stretch this. <laughs> see, this is why you would not be my accountant because I know no. we would have some fraudulent shit all yes, up and yes. through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you would be I writing am, off a whole yes, set of teeth. You're like, well, oh, that's a part uh, of your small black business. <laughs> Obsessed. I mean, I am your Jewish friend. And so I feel like mm -hmm. I have the place to advise you. I write everything off, you know, not just friends. <laughs> or Ooh, like, I love that one. I write near. everything off. 
yeah. uh, even friends. Ooh. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good one. By the way, That's I like the way great. that you were like, you seem a little shy about mentioning that you are in a relationship. You feel bad bringing it up early, but as fast as you brought that up, I think people that are in three-way relationships bring it up faster. That is true. In the entire world, you're just like uh, at Starbucks and you're like, I'll have a caramel macchiato. And they're like, I'm in a three-way relationship. And would that be debit or credit? And you're like, oh, Okay. Wow. Thank okay. you. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for opening up to us. We really, mm. truly appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's only because, right. Like being in a relationship is not a personality. It is not. Right. Um, But like we realize, we realize like dating is not as easy as it seems, especially in a pandemic. And so we kind of have to be grateful, but also, I don't know. I just want to be a little more sensitive to just, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a loving relationship. Everything is amazing. She is beautiful and successful. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person that's gloating. I'm totally gloating right now. <laughs> yeah. But you don't want to be that person that's ungrateful that person. either. Right. Right. Yeah. Which happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Especially in show business. Yeah. Oh. But I did, I did hear that it, it's actually better for some people to look single. Right. So I, I, I don't know if that's, that's me because I've never given myself enough time to be single. <laughs> Sydney, now I'm ashamed of you again. I know, I know. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm hopping off one plane and getting right back on another one. Okay, oh, we absolutely we're doing a little layover and then we <laughs> we got connecting flights. <laughs> stepping stones, you know, just uh, 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 that's stepping stones uh, layovers. Okay, layovers. <laughs> okay, she's a jet. There's setter. a difference. You talk a lot about your relationships in your comedy. So I do know that about you, but I want to know a couple of things about Sydney Washington's past. What's the place that made you? What's, where's the place that you call home? Well, I, well, I was born actually in Harlem, um, but oh, wow. it is, but it's, you know, Harlem is gentrified now. So it's pretty much Williamsburg. So yes, very now, bad. no. Yes, it's true. But I, I was born there. And then um, when I was two, I moved to Oakland, California and lived with my great aunt and great uncles. And so I had these senior citizens taking care of me. Yeah. And I, I would like to say where, wherever I, you know, have an extended time that's my home, you know, because yeah. I, I would say that I would do, I could do both. I would be yeah. on the West coast. I could be on the East coast. I was in Harlem. Now I'm in Brooklyn. If, yeah. if somebody was like, you got a job in LA, I'm moving to LA and that's my home. So like, it's where, it's wherever I lay my wig down. That's, that's my yes. home. When you were young, when did you first realize that you were a funny person? We asked this of your co-host, Marie Faustin too. And uh, she had a crazy story. But I, I just wanted to know, when did you realize like, oh, I'm that funny person. This is something that works for me. I didn't really have a ton of friends as a kid. And I would I would mainly talk to my dolls and make these big scenarios up. And it would be very novella-ish 
And yes. so I think I would take some of the things that I would make my dolls say, I would, I would do that when I would get older, I would say some of the things that my dolls were saying. And I realized that was funny and yeah. I was a big nerd. So I, I wasn't able to showcase how funny I was until I would I would have to say college. College is when I really just blossomed and people would sit and listen to me talk for hours. I mean, hours. And when I say yeah. sit, I was in their room and they were held hostage. But yeah, yeah, they would they wouldn't kick me out. They would be like, Sydney, we're all going to fail college because we're here kicking with you. For days on end. But when did you start to translate that into a comedy career? Well, you know, I was was a waitress for a long time. Yes. Um, I was a waitress for a long time because I did major in communications. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So when I realized being funny helped me get better tips, I was like, oh, I'm 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 going to be myself like I could be a hot chick that drops drinks down or I could be myself. So because I was so funny, I had a friend, <laughs> LOL, because I was so funny, funny. <laughs> uh, I had a friend that would secretly tape me like videotape me after work doing these like bits and the commentary on things. And I had no idea. Now, one, I should have been pissed because I was blasted, like drunk off my ass and very high on coke. Right. But she Giving put a co- the opinions. Yeah, she put a compilation video together and she was like, look, Sydney, look, you are so freaking funny. You need to do something with this. And I was like. I was also very, very drunk. Like, what are you saying? Yeah. She's like, maybe take a class. So I took a class. I spent $450 to realize comedy ain't for everybody. I mean, the whole class was just like, I I don't know where those people are. I can can honestly say everybody who is in class with me, I don't think they do comedy anymore. But yeah, I took the class and I did a whole bunch of bringer shows. And then I just, I kept it going. So yeah, that I will say that that one class is what really got me into stand up. It's funny that you talk about kind of getting your start with comedy as a waitress because you actually ended up doing an entire show about that experience uh, serving champagne to the stars called uh, Death of a Bottle Girl. Yes. And uh, yes, darling. I I read all about that. She had costume changes and everything. Can you tell us a little bit about what that show was like? Well, I had all these stories because I, I had did it for 10 years and I worked at yeah. like s- several places. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to do a tell-all book. Book is not really me. But right. I do think that I am a great storyteller. Sometimes it, it's hard for me to even say that I'm a stand-up because I don't think that I'm a tr- traditional setup punchline kind of person. Right. But I do believe that I have so many experiences that have happened to me that I can turn into, you know, some funnies. So yeah. I I told a lot of the stories about like the celebrities, obviously people's cards that have gotten declined people Shut who I didn't up. recognize that because they looked too regular. Um, I, I, I even mentioned somebody who was doing drugs off the table. Like I was real yeah. messy, but I also, I mentioned like me also finding myself 
Yeah. Because when you are making $1,200 a night, you are lost. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be very honest about, there's rarely anybody who's having that much access and money at that age and they know exactly what they want to do with it. And they're, they're going to do it properly. It's that, that's, I, I don't think that is real typical. So, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of years wasting time, losing money, having an addiction. And I talk about all of that. I talk about, right. you know, being being on drugs and drinking too much and, you know, losing all my money and oh, getting my money stolen and then going to Miami <laughs> the next week. <laughs> yeah. This is where I should have been like, girl, I think you should stop. I had gotten like $24,000 stolen out of my purse at somebody's house because I was doing ketamine. And so that, that should have been like, okay, maybe you should not have that much cash on you, but also you should not be doing drugs with randoms. Right. And when I tell you the next week, I got all that money back plus more working. I was like, okay, well, obviously this is meant for me to continue. I didn't learn my lesson until a little over five and a half years ago. I got fired by this place called uh, Riff Raffs. Yeah. And I was like, bitch, I was being exactly what the title of the club is. How, did, <laughs> how the fuck y'all going to cancel me like that? <laughs> they were like, yes, we yeah, we do want you um, to serve the Riff Raff, but you cannot in turn be the riffraff. Be the riffraff. So when you're fired by riffraff, you know that you are like at a at a turning moment. Yeah, it was just like, it was embarrassing because, you know, I used to make fun of everybody who got fired from the place. I was like, look at you, look at you, dumbass. How could you? This place is so fucking easy. Everybody is getting drunk and fucked up. The, yeah. I was like, if you get fired from riffraffs, you got a real problem. And then I did. And I was like, okay, it's, I, I guess it's time to stop <laughs> drinking and doing drugs. I guess it's yeah. time to get sober. Yeah, I needed that. I needed that to, that was a real wake up call because yeah. I I got, now I, I drink, I was drinking early anyway. So it was nothing new to get fucked up before midnight, but yeah. I got, I was in a bad place and I was drinking and I, I had messaged my drug dealer. I was like, yo, I need you to come through because I'm 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 going off tonight. Yeah. He never showed up. He never showed up. So it was his fault that I fell asleep in the bathroom oh, and, my and threw up on my manager's nice or no actual te- terrible men's warehouse suit. It was <laughs> his fault. My drug de- if my drug dealer would have been there on time, honey, right. I, who knows where I would be. I can only blame my friends. I can only blame Uh, my friends. Yeah. It sounds like you learned a lot out of this experience. One of the things that you learned out of this whole waitressing bottle girl life is about beauty. You were saying, much like with comedy, you learned if you could be funny, you could get the tips. And also, if you could be gorgeous and stylish, you could get the tips as well. This is a podcast about women and what they go through in their field. How did it feel to have this kind of high standard set for you as a woman when you are in that industry? And is there a, a weird standard for women in comedy as well? I never wore flats. I always wore heels. Yes. I, I just It was just a thing. It was like, I, I want to look, I thought wearing heels was the epitome of being a woman. 
and being yeah. sexy. And like not saying that there weren't girls that were wearing flats, but they were doing the day shift. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do you want to make $300, honey, or do you want to make 1200 So yeah. there, there were standards. I mean, very, very tight, tight dresses. You know, your hair yeah. has to be kept, makeup, all of that. And so when I got into comedy, people didn't know, like, this has been my life. Like, I'm not just getting done up for y'all. This is how I leave the house. Like, if I yeah. didn't have a show, if I wasn't doing comedy, I would still be this person because it was yeah. ingrained in me working every night. Every night I was done, 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 done. Yeah. Lashes, wigs. I had, when I didn't have fake boobs, I would have those chicken cutlet things. Yes. You know, it it was just, yeah, like you, people are spending a certain amount of money. You got to look a certain way. So that's, I mean, now I have to be a little bit more easier on myself because I am a a woman of a certain age. Shut up. (laughs) I'm older now, you know, golden girls adjacent. And golden girls adjacent. (laughs) It's like, it's like, do you, do you need to wear makeup all the time? No, no. One, makeup ages you. So, like, I hope everybody is wearing lots of primer, hyaluronic acid. Like, make sure your your skincare, your skincare matters more than your makeup. So, um, I learned that you got to give your face some a break at times. And uh, it's all about being comfortable. I think that's the sexiest thing. That's what makes a woman a woman. The confidence. That's that's why I love uh, drag queens. I just they, they are the epitome of what I think like a caricature of a woman is like it would be a woman yeah. with confidence. If we yeah. if we believed in ourselves, we would all be drag queens. Yeah. I mean, you paint yourself confident, essentially, mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is what you do. You're like, color yes, me yeah. confident. By the way, you're sending me into a tailspin about my skincare because I like got lazy over quarantine and stopped using primer and stopped using my Sunday Riley. And I really need to step that back up again because I'm going to, oh God, I'm going to fall like the Trump empire. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I you know that's my other thing like I watch don't get mad at me but I stay on Facebook Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook the the place of hell Yes. You are in a bad place if you are on Facebook. I'm there and I watch a lot of like videos on like makeup care, like makeup yeah. and skin care. And that's why I've been more on top of it and spreading the good word. I'm like you got to have steps. There is no wash your face uh lotion and then go to sleep there no 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 you there's steps honey you got to have a toner you got to have an essence you have to you have to have an a a a b h or a h a or something like that something that's like an exfoliant like it's this is all this stuff that i i did not care about now i'm like so obsessed if you're not like slightly swollen and weird when you go to bed, then you haven't done it right. Like you have right. to kind of like abuse, like you got to do the the astringent, mm-hmm. you got to do the peel, you got to do the moisturize, you got to do the acupuncture, and then you take your, <laughs> your and push yourself to bed. The acupuncture, that, that's yeah. a part of skincare now, guys. Do it all. And then when you wake up, you look 10 years younger. I'm now 36 years old and I would look in the mirror in the morning and be like, why do I look so tired? And I realized I'm not tired. I'm old. 
That's what happening. No. That's what, that's what 36-year-olds are. They're just very tired 20-somethings. That's what they are. <laughs> yes. yes. Are you okay? Are you exhausted? True. No, I'm just like Eastern European Jewish and 36. That's those two things together. I have the rings under the eyes and bells on my toes and I will have music wherever I go. Um, no, but listen, we're going to be, we, after having the year that we have where everybody's going to be tired, the kids, the kids, when they get a little bit older, they're going to look so haggard. They're oh, gonna, I mean, the fa- imagine being in college and they're like, actually, you gotta, you gotta be in the house. You gotta yep. stay inside. I mean, the whole reason I went to college is to get the fuck out the house. Right. So now y'all oh, taking that absolutely. away. Absolutely. Yeah, y'all taking absolutely. that away and then y'all still want us to pay the same amount as if y'all were dorming me. Right. Y'all were giving me room and board. Oh, hell no. Yeah. So I oh, think God. everybody's allowed to um, look tired right now. But when it comes to beauty in Sydney, another thing that I think about is that runs through your comedy a lot is beauty standards for lesbian women's and you comment that people refuse to allow you to be a lesbian because you're a pretty lady and in their minds that the two things can't go together can you talk about that i think things are changing a little bit when i first started that bit about people won't allow me to like they won't accept me into the lesbian community because i just i just look like a straight girl like because of the way the way i carry myself and it's like, no, everybody's caring about their looks now. Um, looking good is is non-binary, to be honest. It doesn't matter what you look like now. Like you, right. you could look like me and be asexual. You can look like you and you could be, you know, bisexual. Oh, it, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. But I do realize to be gay or non-binary or trans or anything like that, you have to have money. You cannot... Be financially unstable. I have learned that. I've learned that it takes so much money to be who we are. Straight people, oh, honey, the heterosexuals, they can live on the streets and still manage. But that is that is not that's not the case for us. We have a we have a lot of maintenance. Right. So give us of, money. We have a lot of signaling to do. I, I I mean I just want people to understand. I think I got in an argument with somebody maybe a year ago about oh they saw on GoFundMe a trans woman needed like operation and they were like uh you know basically like. Can people donate? And they were just like that. That's not necessary. And it's like, yes, it is. If yeah. it's, if the, if you feel like this is what I am, right? Right. But maybe your genitals don't reflect how you really feel as a person. That that like fucks you up mentally. Yeah. And yeah. It, I think it. I think it is very important. It's not cosmetic. It really yeah. isn't. I think that was the argument that it's like, oh, it's like cosmetic, cosmetic. surgery. And it's like. It's not the no. same, sir. No. <laughs> it's not. So yeah, it costs so much money to be who we are. We live in a country where there's some support from a healthcare standpoint, but there's definitely not as much as we actually need to support people, especially trans people who are wanting gender confirmation. Like, yes. Uh, there needs to be so much more support for that financially than there is because it is a health and wellness issue. It is not a cosmetic thing, as you're saying. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I wish uh, there were more discussions about it because not even just like uh, the actual surgery therapy 
therapy. It takes so much therapy to get to the place where you're like, I'm actually getting the surgery. It's like, dude, you you have to understand that this is not like, I just want to look good. You know what I mean? We're not some uh, bimbo in Beverly Hills that's getting, you know, uh, a triple, triple D's like, no. First of all, (laughs) leave me alone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so this is making me think like you talk a lot about gender and sexuality in your comedy. I know that I've had experiences where I think my drag has gotten to be an earworm and change people's minds a little bit about the way they Mm -hmm. see gender and sexuality. Have you had experiences where through your comedy, you like reached somebody a little bit on these issues or is that even a goal for you? Oh yes, absolutely. I, I had this joke about, I usually date femmes. So other girls that kind of look like me. And so people think that we're like friends or sisters or whatever. And then when they are like, finally realize, okay, you guys are dating. Who's the man? Who's the woman? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And I, I say like, it, gender is is so fluid now. Like there, yeah. you can't put people in boxes. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was like, we're all just one argument away from dating a tree. And I was like, I yes. think, I think, I think that's pansexuality. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I had someone come up to me after and they're like, I felt so seen when you said that because yes. no, I don't want to date a tree, but I do. I did understand what you were saying. Yeah. Um, and I was like, and I was like, yeah, because one, one day you're like, I am only dating dudes. And then five years later, after being in America, you're like, you know, I'm a little bit more open to, yeah. uh, you know, dating. I, I, I date spaces now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but then I, I talked about, you know, I wouldn't consider myself the woman or the man, but I said that I'm, I'm not making anybody come. So I'm definitely the man. So that was a little... A, a little controversial because the women look and they're laughing because they're like, yes, but the men are like, excuse me. And then I, and then I go into a bit as like, no, no, no. Like I'm not making women come either. So I just want to admit that like orgasms are very complicated for yeah. us. Like we yeah. we're like, we have to be in the mental state. We, we have to be thinking, we have to be comfortable. Like, uh, like our clit just won't come for no reason. Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta pamper her or yeah. him or them, you know, you gotta, yeah. pam- you gotta pamper it and yeah. do. And then I was saying like, cis dudes, you know, they could lose their whole family in a car crash and still be able to skeet skeet on the wall. So yeah. uh, when I, when I talk about that, I had a guys come up to me and they're like, so you're really not making women come. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not good at it. I need more help. I'm getting better. Yeah. I'm getting I I can say now after doing that bit like 2 3 years ago, yeah. I am I am making women come now. It not but I you, you know what? Let me say now women. I am making one lady come and she yeah. is great, you know, but yeah, so people are so confident in their sex game and it's like, babe, we're not all good at this it's hard it's so many layers to it so it just opens up the discussion that's like it's not only just the physical it's the mental it's uh, did i have a good day like how am i feeling 
You know, I, I there was a minute I thought that I was asexual. You know, I was in the last relationship and I we weren't having sex. And yeah. I thought it, I was I was depressed, but I yeah. was so depressed that I was like, I am asexual. Yeah. And then I got on meds and then I was like, no, I'm not asexual. I, I do want to fuck. I, I can get wet. But yeah, it, it just I was just in a bad, bad place. I feel like your comedy does so much to talk about things that are difficult, which is why I like it. Talk about things that are difficult and make the comedy the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down and mm -hmm. stuff that we struggle with, stuff that we're embarrassed by. Yeah, I can't How, be I can't yeah. be embarrassed no more because, you know, after you tell a couple of stories about meth and ketamine and being uh, Kate out at McDonald's at, at 8 a.m., uh, you know, it's just like, what what is embarrassment? What is shame? But you haven't been able to do your in-person comedy lately. And that is why you have been working on something else, a now much celebrated show called Sid Can Cook. And it's been featured in Harper's Bazaar and hailed as a hit. Can you tell us a little bit about how the show started and what it's doing for your life? Well, it was just like Marie and Amina and my friend Carolina. They were just like, they were making fun of me. They were like, Sydney, how are you going to survive in this pandemic? You you don't go to the store. You don't cook. Right. You don't you don't take care of yourself. How are you going to eat? And I was like, oh, you bitches are challenging me. Oh, fuck. Fuck this. I will be cooking. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to be cooking on live to prove to people that I can do it. It's real. If you if you can't cook. Right. And you cook and it didn't happen on live. Did it even happen? Did it even happen? Anyway, you're doing this great show. You figured out a way to stay visible in this ridiculous time. I kind of want to know what's next for you. You talked about wanting to sell a show. And I know you're taking things a day at a time. But mm -hmm. what would a new show, what would you want to write about? Is there anything that just drives you to write? Well, I definitely want, you know, to sell Sid Can't Cook because it definitely should be on a platform that's yeah. linear, definitely. Yes. But I, you know, I think about mental health a lot. And so I have a little show that I'm, I always think about that's like two girls that, are connected through through suicide. And so I want to do a show about that because there's there's a lot of shows about like girls and friendship and whatever, but it's, and that's great, but this is really about kind of like girl interrupted, but not. It's right. like girl interrupted meets broad city, you know? Oh, wow. uh, so meets, meets euphoria. It's a lot, it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot of meets going on. But yeah, I, this is what I want. I want to also do a show about my my life growing up as a kid with my senior citizens. It's called How to Start a Fire. I, it was a solo show that I was working on right before everything hit, and I yeah. was doing I was doing like live shows and it was selling out and it was I was really working on something very solid, and so I have not got gotten back to the drawing board on writing more for that, but I, I need to turn that into an actual script. Yeah. So that could be TV because we don't see that enough. We don't see. I, I know a ton of people who are raised by their grandmother. Yeah, a ton. I know a ton of people who are like, I want to be a kid, but I also have to grow up early because I'm around people who yeah. are older. Yeah. So um, I, I just want to sh showcase that more. Well, everybody's um, afraid to get old. They're like, everybody, yeah. nobody wants to get older. I don't want to grow up. 
I want to be a kid. Mm-hmm. And we, or when you're a kid, you're like, I want to grow up. And then, but I only want to stay 25. So right. it's like, yes. I, I want to want to do a show where it's like, you see the growing between the two, like the elders, yeah. but also the kids in the yeah. same space. Yeah. So hopefully that, you know, I get some some Adderall in my life and I can write this stuff. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm in the same place. I mean, not that I haven't written the entire uh, solo show for my She's a Woman tour, but I haven't written the entire show for the solo tour. So I, you were, were you saying that you like workshop little pieces of it and then you want to sit down and write it from what you've workshopped? Well, I recorded it like I recorded yeah. um, one of the shows and now I'm getting it transcribed. And then after I get everything out then i can work with somebody and like turn it into an actual script there's nothing harder in the world than writing <laughs> because you have to have enough ideas to fill pages and no we, we all have ideas though that's the th- i yeah. think that's where we get it messed up we have the ideas the problem is getting started with writing is you want it to be good and it, you it yeah. can't be good until it's bad first you have to get the bad out and then you work towards the good some people don't just write and it's like final draft. That's not how it works. You know, it's the exact same thing with wigs. You have to um, <laughs> you can't do it right out of the bag. You have to mess it up badly first and then yes. comb it out. Can't wear a wig fresh out of the bag. She has to have had some rough times in her life before she can be beautiful. I heart you so much. It's so great. <laughs> perfect. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today, Sydney. I'm going to be looking out for everything you do, as I always do. And And I need you to come on Sid Can Cook. What the hell? Okay. I know. I I know. I know you'd be busy. What? what, I got to talk to. I got to talk to Kate. Who I got to talk to? Schedule. (laughs) Don't you worry about it. Now that it's 2021 and there has been no global healing, I am still very much unemployed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we'll figure it out and we will do an episode of Sydney and Cook. As long as I don't have to teach you anything, as long as we're learning together. Oh my be. God, we're all we're all trying to teach each other. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. That's the that's the great <laughs> thing about the show, is like nobody knows, but we're gonna figure it out. That sounds perfect. That mm-hmm. sounds perfect. Consider it done. Caitlin. Put it in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sid. Thanks, Miss. Um, okay, so there's Sydney, who we've known for such a long time, and it was really good to talk to her. I know. She is so great, and I can't wait for you to be on her cooking show. Oh, I know. That is going to like be a blast. I feel like it's like a nice crossover. You both are like comedians that like cooking stuff. Oh, absolutely. And burning <laughs> stuff, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. First of all, I want to say this again. If you liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of the show. Caitlin, do you have a favorite review this week? I do. I love this one. It's short and sweet, and it says, I've listened to numerous podcasts, but none have made me felt so seen. In a single episode, my inspiration tank was fueled for miles. 
Oh my goodness. I love it. Don't you love like the imagery of someone's inspiration tank being fueled for miles by our dumb storytelling voices? Oh, absolutely. And it's and like, our not dumb guests. Our guests are the real Our heroes. guests are yeah. the, the meat of everything. Yeah. Um, we're the potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that like if I could think of a goal for this podcast, it would be to fill up people's inspiration tanks. Yeah, and so. make them feel seen. So yeah. Here I just go. I love reading that and made me feel great. Oh, that's great. And yeah, if you share your review with us, believe me, we will look at it. We love our reviews. So share your thoughts with us. But enough about that. It's time for the credits. This podcast was produced by Caitlin Gretham, and then I did it. The cast includes me and also Caitlin. This cracks us up every time we do it. <laughs> and it is distributed by the amazing Studio 71. So thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, she's She's a woman. woman. And I'll be with you. (sighs) (laughs) And follow us on She's a Woman podcast on Instagram. Follow us on She's a Woman podcast on Instagram. That too. (laughs) We told them the important things. (laughs) 